Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com again, and let me welcome you to the Ion College Basketball Podcast again, which is now, of course, brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio for a free trial and 10% off. Go to Squarespace.com slash CBSSports and use the offer code FUN. That's FUN at Squarespace.com slash CBSSports. All right. Let's get into it. It is the Monday after the round of 32 of the NCAA tournament. I was in St. Louis for the round of 64 and the round of 32. I am still in St. Louis, but I plan to return home at some point today. Jeff Prezzello and Matt Norlander, my colleagues, CBSSports.com, are here with me. Fellas, how are you? Have you caught your breath yet? That was a wild, uh, wild few days, right? It was awesome. It was awesome. I'm, I'm, I wish the Sweet 16 was starting today. It really, no, I'm yeah. I'm okay with I'm okay with catching a little breath, stretching some soft. muscles, re- letting the brain get back to normal. Did you just call me soft for I wanting called, a couple of days of no, yeah, no I, basketball? I called you soft. I wanted to keep going. Let's cover the NIT today. <laughs> hey, hey, Borzello, <laughs> knock yourself out. <laughs> if you want to jump on the NIT. I have, I have no idea who's playing. I, I Oh, dude. I, 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 how about this? By the time I got to the Sweet 16 look-ahead late last night after everything else um, that was sort of on the table, I was like, okay, i got to write the Sweet 16 look-ahead. Let's dive in. And I didn't even know who was playing. Now, part of that is because my bracket is just shot to hell. So, like, Oh, the, my gosh. So the teams that I thought were going to be playing, they, like, you know, they're like, they're done. Like, they could not be more done. And so I, uh, I, like, I, I was looking at matchups. I was like, oh, wow, that'll be a good one. That, that's interesting. Like, Iowa State-Connecticut. Like, I had no idea Iowa State-Connecticut <laughs> were playing until I, like, looked at it late last night. That's how wrecked my bracket is or, or how fried my brain was by the time I, I, uh, I, I finished up work late last night. It's funny, we... You know, listen, this is what we do for a living, and, and um, so we, we are uh, tied emotionally and, and, I guess, financially in some way to the NCAA tournament. And so, we like, this is this is always fun for us, right? But I, I get the sense that the, the past four days, and I won't include Tuesday and Wednesday, although Tuesday and Wednesday were great in their own way as well, uh, but certainly, like, the last four the, – the, the, the traditional opening of the NCAA tournament, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I, I don't have a good memory, so I'm always hesitant to say things like this, but I don't remember a four-day sequence of the NCAA tournament being as enjoyable as those four days. It's, you guys have better memories probably because you're younger. Um, they, do you remember anything like what we just went through? Uh, I, I, I personally don't. I mean, it seemed that like every time there was a little bit of a lull, we would get a string of like three or four games uh, you know, that would be tremendous. I mean, you look at yesterday, it ended with like five straight blowouts, but it started with three, you know, thrilling games. It was a Stanford-Kansas game, Wichita State-Kentucky, Iowa State-UNC, and it seemed that all four days there was a stretch of, you know, three, four, five games that were just going down to the wire every time. I think um, I think this was an incredible opening weekend. I also think when it comes to NCAA tournaments, you know, nothing is as good as the most recent one and nothing will be as good as the next one, that kind of deal, but... Um, considering we only had one true buzzer beater, then we had a couple of close ones. Uh, we had three out of four ones advanced, no 14s, 15s, or 16s lose. The only four that didn't get there or four or better was Duke. It was still pretty incredible because a lot of the games were extremely well played. I mean, it, it's crazy how like North Carolina Providence was probably one of the four best games and everyone's totally kind of forgotten about it. It kind of blends in because we were so many good ones and with kansas losing the afterglow of that obviously kentucky wichita state were what we're going to get into anytime duke doesn't get to the second weekend that's got seismic impact and mercer winning you know it's nice to get that occasional 14 over three which is a little more common than people think um it's good i i i think uh a lot of people agree that it was just kind of constantly crazy you know the last few games on sunday night petered out and we were we were all pretty much okay with that right because it, it was yeah. just it was like it was emotionally draining to watch all of these games um and so many of them just come down to the wire uh a lot of really really good individual performances by the way too in wins and losses from cotton in that carolina game to napier to randall and early kind of trading off van vliet had his own nice little performance yesterday i mean we could we could honestly Adrian we could Payne. Up. 
Payne scoring a, a turn high 41. Yeah. I mean, all over the bracket. Um, That's the thing. Like To me, this is how you know it was great. If I said right now, off the top of your head, Borzello, give me the five biggest things from the open from these past oh, four God. days. Okay, listen. <laughs> no, I'm not asking you to do it. Here's my point. You would say five things, and then I would say – Yeah, I would forget 15 things. Yeah. yeah, and I'd say, well, what about Adrian Payne? And you'd go, damn it. Yeah, Adrian Payne. Yeah, you know, like – and, and uh, you know, I wrote this the other day. I've said it for uh, a long time. Um, I'm not one of those guys who, because I cover college basketball, I try to tell you college basketball is the best sport, you know, in the world. I don't think it is the best sport in the world. It's a it's a significantly flawed sport. Like I I, I think the NBA is a better product, even if you can't recreate, you know, Cameron Indoor and Allen Fieldhouse. It's it's an obviously uh, more pleasing game to the eye. I, I you, nothing can touch the NFL. College football Saturdays are terrific. I'm a big boxing fan. Like, I, I'm not one of those guys who tries to say, ooh, college basketball is the best. But this is the best. You know, the, this this postseason event is as, as as good as anything we have in, a, in American sports because, you know, like, like we had a, a bad Super Bowl, a historically bad and lopsided and uneventful Super Bowl. And we get World Series that are boring. And we get, you know, BCS title games that are boring. And we get... You know, uh, you know, basically, you know, even like heavyweight title fights, like they're yeah. all boring at this point. But but you never get a boring NCAA tournament like this event never lets you down. And and the great thing about it is you never know why it's not going to let you down. We could have sat here a week ago and and and. You know, well, we did. You know, we talked about how we think it's going to end up and where, you know, whose path is this and what about, you know, this school and that school. And then you look up a week later and it doesn't look anything like you thought. It hasn't gone anything the way you predicted or anybody predicted it, it would go. And and the, these new storylines develop all over the country. Like we we talked last week for for an hour about all these neat things that might happen. Nope, I don't remember anybody ever mentioning that that brothers could coach in the Sweet Sixteen. You, you know, or or first time ever, or, by the or way. date in Stanford, or yeah, or for the first time ever, or that. Um, or, uh, you know, I don't remember anybody talking about, you know, Scott Drew getting on the verge of going to his third Sweet 16 in five years at Baylor. Or or Conzo Martin going from the Bruce Pearl's shadow to... Look at that, man. To, 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 to like, a, a basically in a pick'em game to go to the Elite Eight. I mean, I don't really... That, that Iowa State would lose a key player and still end up, you know, in the Sweet 16 under Fred Hoiberg. I mean, to me, that that... All those things I just mentioned are what makes this great. I don't think college basketball is the greatest sport in the country uh, or the world or anything, but I, I think this event is, is, is like it is as good as it gets and better than most. Yeah, no, it never yeah. it never lets down um, for varying reasons each year. Uh, sometimes it's huge shots and all the other times it's just surprises just because we can't see. And it, this was this was memorable for a lot of reasons. I mean, we had uh, some near chokes and some straight out chokes. I mean, in my opinion, the way NC State lost was the worst NCAA tournament loss since Gonzaga choked it against UCLA in the Sweet 16 in 06. They were in such control. That game was such an afterthought. And then out of nowhere, St. Louis opts to start hacking them with five and a half minutes to go. The plan ends up working. St. Louis goes on to win. And by the way, becomes the only five seed this yep. year to win. It would have been the first time ever all four 12s had won. And obviously we know that they win almost every year, 27 out of the 30 tournaments. But um, even stuff like that, like there were just memorable performances for the worst. And uh, and it was crazy. And, and as a quick side note, guys, I mean – I find it funny uh, that the SEC honks here. <laughs> seven, seven, seven and out. Oh, that's seven the other out. one, right? Like I just got through saying, like if we asked to name five big things, we'd forget the biggest, and like I just, and then I, I did it like immediately. Yeah, the SEC seven and out. Now, uh, you guys, you guys take issue with what I'm about to say if you want to. Uh, I do not think this changes my opinion, or it should change anybody's opinion. Uh, about the SEC, we play basketball for four months and draw conclusions right. off of those things. Think, you know, in a single elimination tournament, a forty-minute basketball game is a short three-point line. Um, I, I don't think should, you know, means that the SEC was underrated all year long. I, I think it means that Kentucky finally hit its stride and started playing the way it's playing. That Florida is just as legit as we always thought, and that Tennessee 
you know, you know, got got favorable matchups. Really, and top thirteen in Ken Palm coming into the tournament. Right? Yeah, six, yeah, there's six now in Ken Palm. Well, here's the thing with Tennessee, like all that, right? So, like you with Tennessee, like I had Tennessee in the round of thirty-two, but then losing to Duke. So, yeah. you know, I, I that is one of the things I actually when I looked at their path, I was like, okay, Iowa um, hasn't been good for a while, so I don't understand why Tennessee can't beat them. Tennessee's only loss in the past few weeks has been to Florida, and they played them tight. Okay, so then you play UMass. UMass was probably overseeded. Tennessee's going to be favored in that game. And then if you'd have told me they're getting Mercer after that, I would have said, cool, yeah. Tennessee's going to the Sweet 16. And so um, I, I think Tennessee's path has contributed to this. Kentucky hitting its stride has contributed to this. And Florida just being Florida. Outside of that, the SEC is what the SEC was. Like, I, I it, it's just – and I guess if I were an SEC fan or an SEC coach or an SEC administrator, I would be yelling right now too, 7-0 in the tournament. You know, you guys said yeah. we suck, but look at us. I mean, I'd be quoting the same Rick Ray, Rick Ray tweeted it on Sunday night. I almost right. tweeted back to him, but I let it, I let it lie. Yeah, this, yeah. This well, doesn't change how, how bad the rest of the league was. It, it doesn't it, change that Mississippi State was horrendous <laughs> and South Carolina was horrendous and Auburn was horrendous. Like, Thank you. It, 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 the top three teams are good, but, you know – it, it doesn't change how bad the rest of the league was. And I think that's that's how it still stacks up. Like somebody asked me yesterday, does, if, if Iowa State loses and they only have one team left, does that still mean they were the best conference? I'm like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. I, I still think they were, for, for five months or four and a half months, they were, them and the Big Ten were the best leagues in the country. I don't think four days of basketball changes that. I will say that that's one of the frustrating things about this event and it is because people draw – Big conclusions right. off of off of things that happen, and they it, it, it disregard the last four months as if that like Duke sucks now, right? Oh, Duke sucks. Well, why does Duke suck? <laughs> Duke doesn't suck. Like Duke is good. Duke lost a game, you know. Um, or um, you know, the SEC stuff is the best, and that's why you know. Fans constantly, particularly in the preseason, and not all of them. I hate lumping people in, in large groups, but uh, in, in general, the, the question you always get is never—it's never really, you know—is is my favorite team going to be good this year? My favorite team going to be a top twenty-five team all year? Is my top—is my favorite team going to be one of the top ten teams in the country most of this season? People go, "Hey, do you do you think it's a Final Four team? Do you think it's a Sweet Sixteen team? Sweet Sixteen team is like where people usually draw the line." Do you think? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, what do you mean? Do you mean one of the best? Depends who they play. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you mean one of the sweet, one of the sixteen best teams in the country, or? Do you mean somebody who makes a Sweet 16? Because like Duke is one of the best 16 teams in the country. So is Wichita State, but neither of them are in the Sweet 16 because you know Dayton and Stanford are in the Sweet 16. Neither of which are one of the best 16 yeah. teams in the country. And so um, often people people confuse uh, those those two things. And and I think to a larger degree. Um, they do it with with conferences as well. Like the Big Twelve is is down to what one, two, two. Uh, no, Iowa State and uh, yeah, uh, Baylor. Iowa right. State and Baylor. Yeah. Okay. So somebody says, okay, well, that means the Big Twelve is overrated, and now the SEC has three, and that means the SEC was underrated. Well, I don't think the Big Twelve is overrated, and I don't think the SEC was underrated. I, I think that's. I think these are the types of things that happen when you play a single elimination tournament of forty minute basketball games with a short three point line. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, my bracket, by the way, is this has been the worst ever. This, and that's what makes it fun. Mine's good. Yeah, you are you are solid on the CBSSports.com page, GP. There's all of our expert picks, and and you actually have to click an over arrow to see more. And I'm uh, I'm alone on the last page. I have never been so terrible, dude. I don't Can't... even I don't even think I'm on the website anymore. I like <laughs> I, like I I think I think I got pushed all the way to the side to like somebody's uh like somebody's uh, blog that's loosely connected. I think my bracket has now been pushed to two four seven sportscom it was brutal. We're not alone in that. But um, when you have this one, this is what I think is rare. I, I just don't think that you have a lot of seasons where you have a first weekend end and you lose a Kansas, a Syracuse, a Duke, and even a Creighton, which is fairly popular, at least to get the Elite Eight. And I had them Final Four, and I know that I wasn't alone. And even a Nova as another two. You just don't usually have that many either title favorites or pretty popular Final Four picks not get to the second weekend. And so that's why there was a lot of damage to a lot of brackets. I know Duke was a popular pick to get out of its region. It couldn't even win its first game. And and uh, it it was it was impressive when I thought actually the Duke loss was only slightly um, 
I guess, taken down a notch because Lehigh, two years ago as a 15, really slayed Duke. Um, so it wasn't like a crazy – and we knew that Mercer was a senior veteran lane team, so it wasn't like a crazy, crazy upset. But that seed-wise was, uh, was obviously the biggest one we had. We haven't even gotten to, like – the amazing story of North Dakota State winning. And then Saul Phillips gave uh, one of those kind of press conferences we see, you know, every year, every other year, where he just kind of just sobbed at the podium talking about his guys and, and what this year meant and how it was the greatest professional year of his career. I thought that was an incredible moment, one of the biggest ones from the weekend. Stephen F. Austin somehow beating VCU, coming back from 10 down with 3.15 to go, having four a four-point def- yeah. four deficit on its final possession and getting fouled. Uh, some people say there was no foul. I understand that. And VCU kind of being in that flip-flop role, guys. You know, VCU used to be the 12 seed that was trying to do that. Now it's it's the five. It's the hunted. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty impressive. And then the other weird thing was the one seeds, the Arizona, Florida, and – um, Virginia all had all had some issues in their first game. Only Virginia was actually in ever true danger. But if you saw Florida and Arizona play, they didn't look good. They they right. looked like they, they went didn't through the motions. Yeah, yeah, they didn't give a damn. While as Wichita State throttled at sixteen, but because we know what matchups can be, all the other one seeds absolutely romped in the round of thirty two. Wichita State gets that tough matchup and uh, and ends up bowing out, which was which was too bad. But I tell you what, like. There's no guarantee we get a game of that level at the Elite Eight or Final Four as it is. So if we had to have it in the round of 32, then I'll take it when we can get it. And uh, I just don't see how – in GP, you were there. You can talk yeah. about this, obviously. I just don't see how that game gets topped in this tournament because it was amazing play, big shot after big shot. Like the style of play, the pace of play, um, it was constant. Like I just don't see – even if we have another good game that ends on a buzzer beater, 78-76 – Kentucky, Wichita State was riveting from the first minute. Well, two things. One, when you start saying stuff like that, you know that Kentucky Louisville is going to be like the best game ever, right? Uh, which, right? You know, yeah, totally fine. Jinx yeah, no, no. I, I, but uh, B, you're exactly right. And um, let, let's sit here for a second on that because I wrote going into it uh, that it was uh, on paper the most compelling, and I, I chose that word, um, um, you know, a per with you know uh, on purpose uh, because I, I didn't want to say best. Because uh, who knows what's best, right? You never know what's best. Um, but but on paper, the most compelling. Like I like storylines, and and to me, Wichita State versus Kentucky um, had all of the storylines. The preseason number one team uh, that that openly um, uh, welcomed theories that they could go forty and zero against the team that. Still had a chance to go forty and zero. The preseason number one team against the, uh, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference champions, who were actually the favorite over the winningest program in college basketball history. Um, you know, Wichita State needing to uh, seemingly needing a win to to validate its other thirty five wins, where Kentucky needs a win to avoid, um, you know, being mocked as this underachieving group of heralded recruits for the second straight year. And, and so, I, you know, I called it compelling because I thought it was would, uh, undeniably compelling while acknowledging in that same column that I, I have no idea if it'll be a great game. You, let's cross our fingers and hope, but who knows? You never know with this stuff. And somehow the game exceeded expectations. I mean, it was just terrific. I, I think it was uh, Brian Burwell last night. We were after the game um, – just sort of everybody was just sort of like, hey, well, how about that? Wasn't that wasn't that wild? You know, like you know that writers tend yeah, to do. Yeah. You're standing around, you're waiting for the press conferences to start, and you're just sort of like, hey, man, what that was something, right? And, and so uh, Brian said to me something that I, I thought stood out and and was spot on. He said that felt like a tie game in the final two minutes for all 40 minutes. Yeah. And that's really what it felt like to me. Like, and, and sometimes you don't know you're in the middle of something that's really special until you're in the middle of something that's really special. You just, I mean, you know, or, or until it's over or, to, you know, this felt like big from the moment that, you know, they said tip off for Kentucky, Wichita state will be at two Oh seven central. Like right from that moment, you were like, all right, here we go. You know? And it was just, 
back and forth and back and forth and big shot after big shot. And Clee Anthony early was the best player on the court and probably, you know, uh, you know, made a lot of money last night with NBA scouts because he showed, you know, uh, the ability to make an open jumper. He was tough. He was, uh, he he didn't shrink. Amazing. He was, he was, dude, he was so good. So good. So good. And, and here's, what's interesting to me, like my, my, my largest takeaway beyond the fact that suddenly Kentucky can achieve seemingly everything that it set out to achieve in the in the beginning of the season short of the 40-0 perfect record. I mean, they. I, I think when I had to make new projections last night, now keep in mind, I, mine are terrible, right? But um, I got Kentucky in the Final Four now. Why not? You know, like, why, like, why not? Uh, you know, but, but beyond that, um, I had long assumed, and I think Greg Marshall did too, that there was no scenario under which Wichita could lose in the round of 32 and and not be mocked, not have their whole season um, dismissed by a, a large segment of college basketball fans. And I, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, that that didn't seem to be the case last mm-hmm. night. Now, you'll still have some idiots, you know, tweeting idiot things because what are you going to do? Um, but but for the most part, I, I thought Wichita State very much looked the part and 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 the country – to the extent that the country pays attention to this type of stuff, um, saw it the same way. That listen, I, I don't know if that team is you know was, was a future national champion, but that team's good. That team is is really really good and could play with anybody in the country. Like Ron Baker told me last night, he said, "Listen, I think we showed we could play with anybody in the country." And they were devastated. You know, they didn't expect to lose again until November. I mean, they had their sights on the whole deal. And yet, you know, and, and yet one of the things Ron Baker said is like, listen, you know, we, we the ball was in the air and if it would have went in, then we're going to the Sweet 16 and we got a shot to, to do something special. It didn't go in. And so here we are. But but we we showed people that we were not some fluky little team from the Missouri Valley. We're, we're a real basketball team that could play with any real basketball team in the country. And I didn't anticipate that being the case in law in a loss. But you guys correct me if I'm wrong. It, like Wichita State could not convert non-believers with 35 wins, and oddly, mm-hmm. oddly, I think converted some with its own with its only loss. It, it took it took Kentucky's best game of the season. Yes. Like you know, yeah. the Harrisons playing the best they've ever played, and Julius Randle just being a freak down the stretch. Like it took basically a perfect game from Kentucky to beat Wichita State. And Wichita State basically took everything Kentucky had, fought back, and like you said, it depended on that one last shot. If that goes in, we're having a completely different discussion. So I think you're right. I mean, you know, if, if to me, if they didn't make the Sweet 16, you know, people would have said, oh, well, you know, I told you so. It invalidated their whole season. But, you know, this, this to me, not many people are saying that. Like you said, there's still a couple of idiots. But, you know, most people are saying, all right, you know, that was a, that was a hell of a 35-win season. And, you know, if they played any other team, any other matchup, any other day, they'd be in the Sweet 16. I think it will be a game that we'll uh, always remember as college hoops fans. Um, I think Wichita State's a team that we're always going to remember in part because of this game, but also, you know, obviously for the achievement that it had. I fight the notion that 35-1 and one is a disappointing season. I fight it actually a lot. They won, 90, they won 97.2% yeah. of their games. Yeah, I understand that losing in the round of 32 is a, is a disappointment in and of itself. But I'm telling you, when you do something that no team had done in decades um, and you get a number one seed at, at, a, at, a, at a Missouri Valley school, telling you and you and you get a man a head coaching job in the process and you create a couple of future pros in the process i'm telling you that is not a disappointing season um that that's just a a great game i can't you know i, I tweeted this uh, on sunday like i can't wait to watch the game in 10 years when julius randall's like making all-star games every year and we see like a young randall like absolutely just take over in the paint and see what that was and and maybe early you'll still be a pro at that point we don't know who knows but to look back on on what that game was i think it's going to be a really cool decade down the road it was good it was so good gp and borzello um that in a way kansas is actually getting overshadowed here uh to lose to stanford is to me nuts like it was the and by the way they only lost by three they had a little flurry at the end but it was the most convincing three-point win I guess I could ever imagine Stanford getting over Kansas in that building. A different freshman than we expected made it interesting for the Jayhawks. No Embiid was obviously a factor there. Uh, but self again here, him and Beheim to a certain extent have just uh, 
developed a, a small side note to their resumes overall in that they've been beaten by double-digit seeds in March more often than you would like. It doesn't take anything away from their legacy, in my opinion, but... I know, I know Jayhawks fans are frustrated today with uh, with losing against a Stanford team that no one gave a chance against New Mexico. Stanford, um, listen, they're in the Sweet 16. And congratulations to Johnny Dawkins um, because that's the guy who, who's athletic. playing first job, yeah. Yeah, his athletic director. You know, most athletic directors always say the right things, even when they're the wrong things or they're flat-out lies. They always say, listen, I believe in my coach. We got the right guy. Uh, the Stanford AD essentially said after last season or before this season or at some point in between, you know, listen, we, we expect to make NCAA tournaments. If we don't, then then we'll, he implied we will make a coaching change. And that's a hell of a lot of you know pressure to have on your shoulders going into the season. Like there are a lot of coaches who are on the hot seat. But having talked to a lot of them, I can tell you that most of them don't think they are. They always think, like all these guys that you just saw get fired, they were all surprised on some level that they got fired. You know, like they always think they got one year left. They're always the last people to know. And so they can sort of, they're, they're sort of um, um, an advantage to being blissfully unaware or at least um, ignorantly unaware. Like, um, oh, no, my job's not on the line. And you want to say, yes, it is, man. You're like, you, you're like I, I'm sorry you don't know, but yes, it is. But my point is they get to coach through the season without thinking they're coaching for their job, even if they are coaching for the job. Well, Johnny Dawkins knew he was coaching for his job. And that's, uh, that's a hell of a, a, a thing to go through, I would imagine, because um, you know, in this sport, once you get fired, you almost never bounce back to where you were when you got fired like the Steve Fisher story at San Diego State is a great story but like San Diego State is a garbage program before he got there like he didn't take the San Diego State job that we uh, look at today he took it I think they'd been to four NCAA tournaments or like or even if that yeah I, I actually I don't actually I think I'm mixing numbers up here I don't think it was that I mean it was a non-existent basketball program like a terrible basketball yeah. program so now Steve Fisher's story is great but like Steve Fisher didn't take a good job Steve Fisher took a national championship winning coach took a garbage job and he's built it into this you know uh, Harvard I guess is a good job but it, it's not the job that you expect to you know if you put Michigan and Harvard on the table next to each other um, oh, Harvard was it was the doormat of the Ivy for fifty years. Right. Okay. So that, my point is, once you get fired in the sport, you know you you don't you don't recover from it. Not you you, and that's that's a weird thing. Like in almost any other profession, if you're if one job doesn't go a certain way, you can sort of envision a scenario where you could maybe one day get a better job in college than the one you just lost. If things break for you to work hard and luck and whatever. Uh, in college basketball, you can't. Like, it is unreasonable to think you will ever get a job as good as the one you just got fired from. Unless you guys can name me. Like, Mark Gottfried is a, is a good example, like, of the, the exception to the rule. Got yeah. fired at Alabama and landed at NC State. Like, that's, that's remarkable. But that is very rare that you get a comparable or better job after you get fired. So imagine what that's like if you're Johnny Dawkins. And, and you've worked your whole life, like, to try to get this opportunity. And you know that if these next 34 games don't go your way – you'll never have that opportunity again. Like, that's a lot of pressure. I understand he's rich and famous, and so his problems are different than, like, you know, uh, the, the, you know the, the, somebody else's problems. But still, it's an, an, an unusual amount of pressure, and for him to be able to, to succeed under it is, like, nice things because anybody who knows Johnny knows that he's, he's a genuinely nice human being. Uh, that said, I think Stanford's very average, like very, very average. They were 10 and 8 in the Pac-12, and and you know, I don't want to say they snuck into the tournament because they didn't have to play in the uh, whatever we're calling it, less the round of 64, or no, the, yeah. the first round, the play-in game. Whatever, the first, let's call it the first four, because that sounds nice, but it also proves a point. So uh, I, I hate calling it the first round. It's the dumbest thing in the world. So we're gonna, we'll call it the first four. He wasn't in the first four, so we, I don't want to say he snuck in, but this was not a good Stanford team. And for Kansas to lose to them in you know, St. Louis with a predominantly uh, Kansas fan base in attendance, even without Joel Embiid, like, I don't care. You still got Andrew Wiggins, Wayne Selden, and Perry Ellis. Like, go win the game. And so um, I, I think that it can forever be sort of, dis you know, like, it wasn't the worst upset ever because, hey, they didn't have their lot, you know, you know, top, you know number one overall pick center. Like, what are you going to do? But you should still win this game without Joel Embiid. That's the point I tried to make in the column. Like, you, you, the reason you don't beat Florida 
in the regional final is because you don't have Joel Embiid, if you don't have Joel Embiid there. The reason you don't beat Stanford can't be because of Joel Embiid. Like, this is, that was bad yesterday, and they were awful, real awful from 40 minutes. I think Bill's opening quote at the press conference was, um, from the opening tip, we had a tough time. And, like, that's exactly right. <laughs> like, you know, they, from the opening tip, they had a tough time. And I was um, I, obviously not – not surprised that Kentucky could beat Wichita and wouldn't have been surprised that Wichita could beat Kentucky. Shocked that Stanford was able to upset Kansas, even under these circumstances. And your boy, Tarek Black, was the only person that, <laughs> that did anything. I mean, like, yeah, he and, and, he, he and, and he put up comparable numbers to what MB could, would have done down low. And, uh, you know, that, uh, on one end of the court. Not yeah, on one the end other. of the court, right, scoring-wise. But the rest of the offense couldn't do anything. I mean, Wiggins played terribly, and Tharp played terribly, and Selden played terribly. Like, they couldn't make any outside shots. The zone... Kansas looked like they've never seen his own defense before. Ever. Uh, the 1-3-1, one, one, the kind of morphing into the 2-3. And then, you know, Stanford didn't play that well on the offensive end. They just they got some some good fouls at the end, and they turned it over a ton at the end. But, you know, Kansas, like like Bill Self and you just said, they were just they couldn't score. And they couldn't score, you know, outside of the Frank Camp threes at the end. They were just, they were very, very poor offensively. Just to, uh, yeah. GP, I got two questions. I'll ask you one, and then I guess Borzello one. Um, in your opinion, what, what I mentioned, uh, like Self won a national title, has won 10 straight K, uh, Big 12 titles. In your opinion, is, th- is this losing to teams that he shouldn't lose to? You know, he's, he's gotten taken out. We know, yeah. and, you know, Northern Iowa, Bucknell, you can go down the list here. We, we know that there's five or six years where Kansas felt it should have made a Final Four, at least in the lead eight, and it didn't. Uh, is that something that is, is attached to him at this point? Uh, yes, uh, if only because, like, you know, by definition it's attached to him. You just brought it up, right? And, right, you're, not, and, right. You're, and you're not the only one doing it. So, um, so yeah, it's attached to him. I, I just I, – I can't – like, it would be one thing if Bill Self has a history of underachieving in general. Like, he has a history – as you pointed out, of of underachieving in a single forty minute basketball game played at the wrong time of the year to underachieve, but it's not like he under like it's like like you look at I don't know I when I look at Bill Self I see ten straight Big Twelve titles right. you know that's what well, I see somebody somebody asked me on on Twitter like when does Self start getting flack for you know not winning championships I'm like when he doesn't win ten straight Big Twelve well that's the titles. That, like, that's, that's the thing like if there were like three examples over the past ten years where he was picked to win the Big Twelve and then like finished fourth I'd go listen he underachieves in the regular season and he underachieves every once in a while in the postseason like he's great but you got to take a look but he never underachieves in the regular season he just right. they run into stuff every once in a while in these random forty minute basketball games and listen I understand that is where. Um, that, that's, that's how we judge people ultimately. Like you become a hall of famer based off of this event and you get fired based off of this event. You get rich based off of this, based off of this event. You, you get the USC job based off of this event. Right. I mean, like, like, you know, this is the way the sport works. I, I'm not, I'm not ignorant to that, but, um, I don't know. I, like, I, I, I find it very difficult to, to, as you put it, give flack to Bill Self. Cause I just think he's like one of the top three or four doing it. Uh, and just to, to to note, by the way, it was self also, and this is no knock against him because we know what the, know what they did. But uh, in that whole double digit seed losing, one of those was to VCU when it went to the Final Four. Sure. Um, so that has an impact as well. I, I I agree. I just it is an interesting one, and if he did not have a national championship, I think it would be much louder. Um, fair or not. And by the way, this kind of goes to what we were talking about before. I mean, you prove yourself in the regular season. He's won ten freaking straight. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I judge. That does not happen. I like two, yeah, no. two weeks ago, we were saying that you know he should be in the mix for, or he should have won Big Twelve Coach of the Year, and he's been done one of the best coaching jobs in the country. And I still think all that's true. No, I, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just like we were talking about with the conferences. It's just like, fun. it's weird to me that like we we play basketball for four months, and you know um, Syracuse can lose to Boston College, and we go, hey, listen, man, that's just one of those nights. And then you know Duke can lose to Wake Forest, and we go, hey, wait, what are you gonna do? It's one of those nights, and and maybe those aren't the two examples I should be using because like. <laughs> you know, they, they bowed out. But um, I don't know. Like, UCLA can get killed by Washington State. Like, get killed by Washington State. And we go, hey, what are you going to do? Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's a 40-minute it's a basketball game, right? Michigan State lose to Northwestern. Hey, man, this 40-minute basketball game. And then we get to this tournament, and we never just say, or at least most people never just say, hey, what are you going to do? It's a 40-minute basketball game. Like, like we, we go, oh, Bill yeah. Self is an underachiever. Like, like, it is just a 40-minute basketball game. And if you were to put the Miami Heat in a 40-minute game against an eight seed in the NBA playoffs and say it's all or nothing, they might lose that game. Now, they won't lose 
lose four of seven, which is the way why it's much easier to predict who's winning NBA titles because the the format allows the best teams to to succeed. But but you know, in a one-off forty-minute game, um, you're going to get things like this that happen, and so that's why I I forever while recognizing. Shaka Smart becomes Shaka Smart based off of this event. Brad Stevens becomes Brad Stevens based off of this event. Um, so on and so forth. I think it is much, much more intelligent to, to, to decide who's good and bad at coaching basketball, college basketball, you know, over a four-month season rather than a, a, a three-week tournament. Yeah, it's the double-edged sword of the tournament. Okay, so Borzello, my question for you is: So the first weekend was amazing, right? But we got this uh, unfortunate—we got this unfortunate uh, situation going into the second weekend. You know, we, in my opinion, lose the three biggest names in college basketball: Wiggins, Parker, and McDermott. All bow out, all with completely. We lost. We lost. I'll take it a step further. We lost the three biggest names in college basketball. Wiggins, Aaron Park, Kraft. Oh, yeah. I was going to get there. I was getting there. I was going to say we lost three biggest names and we lost the most polarizing player. No, and, and, we, and we lost the, the biggest story in college basketball, which was Wichita State. We lost Wichita that too. State. So I, I believe. And you know what? Uh, you you know I'm I'm definitely a sentimentalist in this kind of regard. Um, but I recognize the practicality of the situation. I, I believe that the tournament I'll I'll take it almost no matter what it gives me in the second weekend. But I I do say it does suck in a big way that we don't get Parker and Wiggins, two freshmen who were so much fun to watch. We don't get to watch McDermott. I mean, he never made a Sweet 16. You know, Creighton's never made the second weekend since the tournament as we know it's been the tournament. Uh, and, you know, that was a huge goal for him and that team. And it's got a, uh, just a minor mark against his legacy, a brilliant career. But to never – I mean, we will not have any March moments attached to the name Doug McDermott. He had a great career, but uh, but it was kind of come up short. So I, my question, I guess, Borzello, is, you know, do you think the second weekend is taken down a notch by the fact that we're missing those big names? I don't think so. I mean, look at the matchups you have. You have Kentucky-Louisville, which is, you know, they're going to be the most anticipated Sweet 16 matchup you know, in a long time. You have Virginia-Michigan State. Like, you have really, really good games. I guess you don't have – you know, the, the names and the, the top draft picks that you want to see, but you have great matchups and, you know, people like this is, this is the same thing. Discussion happened, you know, going into the, the first week and you say, Oh, well, you know, you didn't have, we, we argue about which teams made it in and out. And then when the first weekend starts, it's awesome. And like, now we're arguing, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of dwelling on the fact that we don't have Wiggins and McDermott and all them, but we're going to have great moments from other people. Like it's not, yes. To me, we're going to have great moments no matter who plays, whether it's Doug McDermott or Jabari Parker or Scotty Wilbekin or Kyle. Like somebody's going to step up and make a great play. We're going to have remember those moments. We're not going to remember that Jabari Parker didn't play in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, I, I agree on on one hand and, and disagree on the other. Here's here's why. Um, I, I like I said about the Wichita Kentucky game. What I loved about it was the storylines heading in. Like it brought you in. Like yeah. I I got to watch this. Suddenly. With no Jabari Park, like, okay, think of the things that bring people to college basketball. What are they? They're stars and great stories. Okay, so the stars. Who were the stars? Doug McDermott, no longer around. Andrew Wiggins, no longer around. Jabari Parker, no longer around. Um, what were the great stories? Stories. It's probably, oh, you know, it's, um, it's Wichita State. That's the best story, right? So suddenly, I think as we look at the Sweet 16, like, this is a college basketball fans tournament from here on out. Like, like college basketball fans can get excited about Virginia, Michigan State. You think my, you think, you think my wife is? Yeah, that's true. You know, that's like, fair. like, um, like Kentucky, Kentucky Louisville. That's Kentucky, it. Louisville that's it. That's, that, it. that's it. That's it. Really is until we, unless we get uh, the Elite Eight, if it offers us, geez, I mean, Michigan State's got to get there. Um, well, like, look at my regional. Like, suddenly I've got, and with all due respect, like, I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm happy for Johnny. I can't wait to see Archie. <laughs> but, like, I got Dayton Stanford, you know, in, in, in the regional. I mean, like, D- Dayton or Stanford going to the Elite Eight. Like, that, that's the first that, game. That's, that's going to be, like, some sort of inherent storyline for the Elite Eight game, though. You're going to have a double-digit seed 40 minutes from the Final Four. So that's gonna, that should bring, in theory, a casual fan to watch it. No, that's not true. Um, (laughs) no, I, I just think that we've lost a lot of the things like, like just think about it. This is the way I always, people who don't care about college basketball, like we care about college basketball, what would they talk about throughout this year? Hey, is Wiggins playing? When's Wiggins playing? What's Wiggins doing? You got a lot of that. Hey, Jabari Parker, Jabari this. Is Jabari better than that? Is Wichita State for real? Is for real? Yeah. All those things are off the table now. Kentucky Louisville is obviously great. And like, I can get excited about most of this stuff, right? But I'm talking about, I think that's the way to put it. We suddenly have... 
a college basketball fans tournament here. Like it is like, you know, there are college basketball fans going, Ooh, I can't wait to see a rematch of Arizona San Diego stay. But like, you know, the, the dude down the street from me, he ain't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't care naturally uh, about that. It, it'll be great. And, and these stories will be like, they'll emerge. Like you don't know where they're coming from. So like something terrific is going to happen. A lot of something terrific. Some things are going to happen, but on paper, Whereas Wichita, Kentucky was so compelling on paper, uh, you know, to just bring in anybody who cares about sports at all. I don't know what's what's really uh, compelling here, although we'll get into that here uh, in just a second. Remember, you're listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast brought to you by Squarespace, where uh, you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace is constantly improving its platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. Beautiful designs for you to start with and all of the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. It's easy to use, but they still have an amazing support system available, a team, 24-7, and it all starts at just $8 a month. You can start a free trial with no credit card required, uh, which means you could start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, remember to use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and to show your support for the Eye on College Basketball podcast. Let's look ahead a little bit to what um, we, we've got coming up on Thursday and Friday. Let's try to get ourselves excited for this. Uh, look ahead. I want to start with Baylor and Wisconsin. Um, 85-55 over Creighton. Um, I, I think you guys know, it is well documented, I am the person who... Um, Go back. Nickelback, yep. Let's get back into that. I'm the person who um, has consistently defended Scott Drew's resume. If you want to nitpick him to death, you can, but the big picture with Scott Drew is off the charts. And now here he is, three, third Sweet 16 in the past five seasons at Baylor. Like, if you say three Sweet 16s in five seasons at anywhere, you go, okay, that's pretty good. At Baylor? Like, it is off, like, crazy. And you just, you know, beat the hell. Like, and what would people tell you about Creighton all year long? Hey, they're they're really well coached team. They know what they're doing. They run their st- couldn't do anything against Baylor. Like couldn't do anything. And 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 you know, suddenly here's Baylor, Wisconsin, and basically a pick 'em game to go uh, to the Elite Eight. What do you make of this Baylor team that that has lost? I think they went through a stretch where they lost like eight of ten or seven of eight or something yep. like that in the regular season. And now uh, Scotty Drew, that 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 genius basketball coach is, 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 is back in the sweet 16. Does this make people move off of their anti Scott Drew stuff? Or is it just like, what, a, like, is this just people cover their eyes and ears and they don't care to look at what's really happening here? I think they cover their eyes and, and look away because they're just going to say, Oh, well, you know, Creighton didn't shoot well and, and Baylor shot the best they've shot from three and, and forever. And, you know, that's, that's what happened. And now if they lose to Wisconsin, they're going to say, you know, he got outcoached by Bo Ryan with five days to prepare or whatever. So, you know, if if you don't believe in Scott Drew, you're not going to believe in him, no matter what happens. In my opinion, I, you know he could go to the Final Four and people still be like, oh, well, he got lucky because he had more talent than you know whoever he played against. But you know they're playing probably among you know probably the three best teams um, you know left. They're playing as well as you know they're probably Florida, Arizona, maybe and then Baylor probably. You know um, Tennessee obviously in that mix and the you know, talent was never really the question with them. They have multiple draft picks, but Kenny Cherry, him emerging at the point guard spot, Isaiah Austin kind of finally coming to his own as, as what we all thought he would be. And with the zone they're playing, you know, they, you know, I thought Creighton would just shoot over the zone. No problem, but they focus on McDermott. They made other guys make contested shots. It didn't happen. I think they have to do the same thing as Wisconsin uh, as another team that relies a lot on the three point shot. They have to force him to shoot contested jumpers. Let's talk about the Baylor talent for a minute because um, I think in theory they have two draft picks, but Isaiah Austin's a borderline first-round pick at this point. I mean, like, he's he – came, He came into college as a, as yeah, a top, yeah. top 10 but like he, But, yeah. like, he, he – and I'm not even trying to be funny, but, like, he even acknowledges on television he can't see the, a whole side of the court. You know, yeah. like he can't see it. And so, at this point, he's a borderline first-round pick, and I'm not sure Corey Jefferson gets picked. He might. He might. But I'm not sure he does. And then you look at Baylor's top three scores. Um, it's a three-star recruit, another three-star recruit, and a JUCO point guard who wasn't even the best JUCO point guard in the country. And so I, I know that there's this perception attached to Scott Drew that all he does is get elite talent and then uh, underachieve with it. But when you when your top three scores, and this is true, are three two three-star recruits and a JUCO point guard – like, are you really just overwhelming people for ta- with talent? Like, is that what you're doing? Like, like Kentucky's got like six draft picks. They can overwhelm you with talent. 
can Baylor really? Oh, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not asking this to be a smart ass. I'm like being serious. You can Baylor really overwhelm you with talent? Like, is Baylor even one of the, you know, five, six, seven t- most talented teams left in this tournament? I don't think they are. I mean, but I'm, like they, they're not overmatched against anybody. I mean, because with the size they have down low and and the way their guards are playing, like they were more talented than Creighton. I think they're more talented than Wisconsin. Um, if they play San Diego State in the Elite Eight, they're probably more talented than them. Obviously, not, I don't think they're more talented than Arizona, but I think that they're not going to be overmatched against anybody because of their talent, because of their size. I know they're not, you know, they don't have future first round picks across the board, but I do think that Kenny Cherry's a talented point guard. I think Corey Jefferson's a talented big guy, and you know Brady Heslop's make Brady Heslop is a talented shooter. Um, so to me, that's the thing. Like on paper, they're just not overmatched against anybody. I would take Wisconsin's uh, roster over over Baylor's. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, man, that's a good one. Dude, they got I can't, they got Frank Kaminsky. Come on, they do. Yeah, Frank, yeah. Frank the Tank. Yes. Dude, I cannot wait. I, I'm all about more Frank the Tank. By the way, I like that that game will give us either Scott Drew making his third Elite Eight in five years, or it will get Bo Ryan to his second Elite Eight ever, his first since '05. So we're gonna have a again from a college basketball writers and fans diehard standpoint, we're gonna have a good story there either way. Uh, real quick on Baylor, it's it's more like people are just waiting to waiting for the funny way they lose. You know, that's that's what Baylor has become in a lot of ways, like this weird Cowboys thing with the I, NFL. Yeah, no, I got I, mean, I got that. I just think it's so unfair. Like, I think it's know, unfair too. I'm just like I'm like, just like you because listen, like ba- oh no, you're right, you're exactly right. So like Baylor might lose in some silly way and people go ah oh, ha ha scott drew did it again who like anybody making fun of shock smart right now uh, you know and uh, that was the dumbest way you could ever lose a game i right. thought about that exactly. if, if baylor wins that's three lead eights in five years for scott drew there's yeah. not there's not that many coaches that could say that a player murdered another player that also happened and and he and he <laughs> and from that from that he's going to three elite elite eights in five years, maybe like that's off the chart. And so you're exactly right. If we if we're in the final minute and Bo Ryan draws up some play to win it, or Scott Drew draws up some play that looks ridiculous, all the narratives will be like uh, you know highlighted and in bold bold print, right? But but like I it's fi- my whole thing with this is is I always say however you want to judge people is fine with me. Just be consistent. So if Wichita State and I recognize this isn't really the case today, but if which if you're gonna call Wichita State fraudulent for losing in the round of 32, just make sure you do it to everybody that loses in the round of 32 to a lower seed of 10. And if you're going to call Scott Drew an idiot because something goes way wrong in the final seconds of a basketball game, I'm fine with that. But you better call everybody it happens to an idiot as well. Like, you know, you better be ready to jump on Shaka Smart. And the truth is, and I've noticed this for a while, because I live in Memphis and Josh Pastner goes through the same thing. You know, like, um, I watched a game earlier this year. I can't remember where it was, but I remember talking about it on radio. Um, like Michigan State had, and I realize I am wearing out the Paris Bingo card today, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I um, I remember watching a Michigan State game, and Tom Izzo calls a timeout. You know they were down by two or one or whatever, and you know he's doing what he does over there. Like Tom is like the best, the best one of the best to ever do it. Like you know he's over there working, and Michigan State comes out and they end up taking like a twenty-six foot contested three-pointer, and people are like, oh, the players just didn't get a good shot. And yet if that same thing happened to Josh Pastor, it'd be, what is Josh Pastor doing? He has no idea. And I just think it, it inherently, some guys get the, get the pass, and, and some guys get killed. And, and I, I don't think either is, is fair. Just like, like if you want to indict people for bad moments in, 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 at the end of games, do it to everybody. But don't, don't clown Scott Drew if you're not also going to clown Shaka Smart. If that, if, that's, if that BCU ending went down with Scott Drew or Josh Pastner or Rick Barnes, some of these guys that are consistently questioned as coaches, like it, it would have been a field day. And yet with BCU, people go, and I'm one of these people. What was the kid doing? What's wrong with the kid? Where it yeah. doesn't really fall back on the coach at all. I just, th- I just think that's weird. I, mean, I realize I'm not changing anybody's mind. I, I just think it's weird, P- particularly when we're talking about a guy and Scott Drew, and I'm not trying to tell you he's 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 Dr. Naismith, right? Like, but 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 three Sweet Sixteens in five years, like at what you know, at what point? I, I don't know. Probably never. You're right. Probably never. But I just think it's some you know. In every other sport, we just step back and look at the big picture, and we go, they're awesome because their resume says they're awesome, or they're really good because their resume says they're really good. And yet, uh, Scott is to me the best example in college basketball. Who, for whatever reason, folks cannot take that look at him. 
Well, the game is going to be interesting. I actually, aside from Kentucky, Louisville, uh, and I, I am pretty excited to see Michigan State, Virginia in person. That's the one I, would, I like. Yeah, DeAndre Cain versus Shabazz Napier. I'm excited. That's, that's oh, that's going to be awesome. I mean, Borzell and I are going to be at their garden. Uh, Borzell and I are going to be at the garden. I cannot wait to go because you know what? Like UConn being in that building. They're going to have a home court advantage. Like a huge I, well, you know what? Will they, though? Because they, they, they draw well, but I, I want to see Iowa State's fan base, which is, uh, I've been told, it's just ridiculous how it travels. I want to see how well the Cyclone fans show. I know Michigan State should probably do a decent job. In Virginia, it you was kind of used to have the, by far the most fans of the Big East tournament. Back, and I, I think now that all the other teams in this region are further away than St. John's and, yeah, well, it'll and be, all them. Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool and really weird, by the way, to see the NCAA's floor at Madison Square Garden. I think that'll be a, a weird look. Um, so, no, we have we have good ones. And... And then Florida's got uh, – Gary's got Memphis and the Memphis regional. <laughs> no, listen, Florida-UCLA. Why, hey, why are you laughing at my regional? Florida-UCLA, no, it's one of the best offenses in the country versus one of the best defenses no, in the country. I, I think – you know what? UCLA's got more pros than Florida. Florida's the better team. Um, Everyone could, has more pros than Florida. How about, how, no, it's, listen, I, I'm, the Memphis regional has turned into a bit of a mess, right? Like my, my brother, my brother doesn't care anything about college basketball. He barely knows what I do for a living. All right. <laughs> and, um, but he's got some clients coming in town and he was like, say, I'm thinking about getting, to get some tickets to the regional. Is that what they call it? The regional? I'm like, yes, it's the regional. He's like, yeah. So, um, who's going to be playing? And I was like, uh, I was like, well, I, I said, well, it's probably gonna be Florida, the number one team in the country. He's like, what? What's the coach's name? Billy Donovan. I said, yeah, you you like Billy Donovan, don't you? Yeah, I like Billy Donovan. Fine. Okay, yeah, I've heard of him. All right, cool. Florida be there. Yeah. And then who else? Well, I mean, you could get UCLA or, or VCU. I think it might be VCU, but either one. I mean, it's Shaka Smart or it's this UCLA team. They got pros. Uh, that'd be really good. Okay, cool. What What about the uh, – who else? I was like, you could get Ohio State. You could get Dayton. I mean, you could get Ohio State. You could get Syracuse. And then, like, you're going to get Kansas, and that's probably the two number one – you know, two top picks in the draft, and Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid. He's like, yeah, so this that'll be great. My clients will love that, right? And I'm like, yeah, like, it'll, you know, it'll be terrific. It should be – like, I can't wait. He's like, yeah. So he went out and spent like 200 bucks a piece on tickets. <laughs> and, he, and he texted me last night. He was like, who is Dan- Dayton and Stanford? Did you, did, did you tell me Dayton and Stanford were going to be playing? I'm like, nobody thought Dayton and Stanford were going to be playing. I apologize. He's like, what am I supposed to do now? I'm like, just buy a bunch of beer. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. But it has turned into a bit of a mess. Like, I'm not, you know, I can, I'm looking at it, right? I, and, and again, like, I can't, having Archie in the Sweet 16 is awesome. But like, in turn, really is, yeah. Now, we thought we were going to see Kansas and Ohio. Ohio State or Kansas and Syracuse. This, this yeah. is yeah. this is different than that. Oh, I, mean, I get you. Yeah, Archie. By the way, he's you know he's got a promotion coming. I mean, they're uh, they're people are going to chase. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I suppose that's a podcast for after Dayton loses. But uh, but overall, you know what? Like we're going to get some good ones. Uh, we just hope basically each section, each regional, gives us one really good game. I think that's fair to expect. And, and Kentucky Louisville will, will, you know, trump overall. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a consolation prize for not getting to see Wichita State reach a Sweet 16. For us to get Kentucky Louisville and for that state to burn over the next four days is going to be also plenty fun. No, it's going to be terrific. All right, we are uh, already at about the 50-something minute mark. So let's wrap this up by... You know, it gets lost in the games, but there were actually some big news developments uh, over the weekend as well. Let's uh, let's touch on three of them brought to you uh, by Squarespace. One of them, uh, Buzz Williams, leaves Marquette to go to Virginia Tech. I guess this went down on Friday. It had it, this was one of those stories that um, I think was a surprise to basketball fans and not a surprise to people within basketball because it had been known for. Uh, uh, probably a little more than a month that Buzz was was looking to get out. Like, and I, I genuinely believe he was just going to take best job he could get, no matter what it was. Like, 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 try to get the best deal you can get at whatever jo- the best job you think you can get is, and take it, no matter what, with 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 no regard for whether it's a better job than the one you're leaving, because he was just um, ready to go. Um, and and so. I, you know, people then ask, was Virginia Tech really the best job he could get? Well, Buzz isn't stupid. So, like, he, he, he must have, you know, you know how this stuff worked. He put out feelers. Could I be involved at Wake? Could I, you know, is Oklahoma State going to open? If it is, could I, could I be involved there? And, and once you conclude that probably not, um, then, then Virginia Tech, yeah, it was the best job he thought he could get. What do you make of Buzz Williams, Norlander, 
um, going to Virginia Tech University. This, um, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised by it. I gotta be honest. Like, yeah, he was looking to get out. Um, but you're going to a league where Louisville's coming in as well. I think it's a really now listen, Buzz can recruit and he can coach the hell out of it. Um and I think he'll make Virginia Tech interesting and relevant. I think it's a hard job. I'm t- I I could very well see Buzz Williams walking into a situation like Frank Martin's on in South Carolina. I think it's going to be really hard. Um I'd love to see him succeed there. Uh, this, uh, to me does not seem like, uh, an absolute win on his behalf, but he would know better, I suppose, th- than I, um, he, it also speaks to, uh, what the big East is and, and, and how, when it, you're losing Buzz Williams at Marquette, a very good program, a very good job. When you're losing that to Virginia tech, who made what one tournament with Seth Greenberg over a course of how many years, a decade or so. Um, I think that's, that spoke volumes. Uh, I'm interested to see it. I he must have put out feelers, guys. I mean, of course, for, uh, yeah, yeah. he must have. I mean, oh, yeah. I, like, Oklahoma he, State would be Auburn such a better was, job for him. Auburn was available for second. Bruce Pearl beat him to that. The, the, the Bruce Pearl was out, was like, you know, yeah. that was done for a while. Um, so so he knew Auburn wasn't possible. Um, I got to assume one of two things: he either um, was told Oklahoma State's not opening, or even if it does open, it's not you. All right. So, like, otherwise, you don't take Virginia Tech. I had that information. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. One. Either A, it's not opening, or B, even if it does, you're not getting it. All right. So then you end up at Virginia Tech. And on, listen, um, I like Buzz. Um, uh, you know, I, I hope it works out. I, it would be um, silly to suggest that he just took a job better than the Marquette job he just left. You know, regardless of the uh, television situation with the new Big East or or the lack of an athletic director, on the surface, um, Virginia Tech is not a comparable job to Marquette in any way that you measure such things. And it's not an easier job than the job of Marquette. You might not like being in the new Big East, um, but it's a hell of a lot easier to manage than the, the current ACC. I mean, okay, so you got Duke, Carolina, Syracuse, and Louisville every year. All right, where are you going? You know, you, you, you're doing uh, your, you work your ass off, recruit like crazy, uh, 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 over, you know, uh, overcoach your whatever kind of prospects you get to get to the middle. I mean, that's what you're, that's, that's the goal. You can, can we get to the middle? Right. And so, um, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation on the other hand. And I think this has gotten lost in, in all of this a little bit, you know, because it's, you know, I've reported and other people have reported, you know, buzz wasn't happy with Fox sports one affiliation. He thought it hurt him in recruiting. Um, he felt like his games weren't on TV, even when they were on TV. And I get all that. And it's true. Um, he, he was concerned. He had no athletic director and no president. Like, who's your boss going to be? Will they like you? Buzz is a pretty strong personality, a, a very likable guy, but a strong personality. And if he's the type of guy you don't like, then you really wouldn't like him. You know, do you run the risk of that? I think that was really in his head. How much of this is also in his head? Uh, they, they weren't good this year, and they probably weren't going to be good next year. And at what point, once you've set a bar pretty high, which is basically sweet 16s for, for Marquette and Buzz Williams, um, and you can't reach that anymore, at what point are you just doing what it is I always tell coaches to do? Um, if you're not a Hall of Famer, you should be bouncing around about every six or seven years, getting fresh starts. It re-energizes you. It gives you a new fan base with, with, with more reasonable expectations than the one you probably just left. And if you're interested in con- uh, career longevity, this is the way to do it. Um, you know, if, if you subscribe to that at all, then what Buzz did is, is actually a, a really good move um, for in the spirit of career longevity. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, I, I think it does. I mean, he's like, like you said, he doesn't know who his boss is going to be. He doesn't know what the future holds. The Big East is different. The TV deal is different. Uh, there's a lot of questions with the Marquette job and with the, with the, how good, or, you know, the perception of the Big East. And the ACC is always going to be the ACC. And like you said, you know, you bounce around, fresh start. Virginia Tech people are excited. Um, you know, he doesn't have to make the Sweet 16 next year at Virginia Tech. He, you know, probably had to make the NCAA tournament at Marquette next year just to get the fans excited again. At Virginia Tech, he's got a couple of years. Over under, one and a half NCAA tournament appearances at Virginia Tech for Buzz Williams. Oh, I, I think he can. Oh, I'll take the over if you give him seven years. Yeah, yeah, you have yeah. To give him some time. Right. Yeah. Do you think that there's a situation where he might coach there for three years, maybe have two decent years, one Sweet Sixteen run, and goes and gets another job? Sure. 
yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Like, um, you know, I know. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I'm just helping, like, you know, giving like, the listeners an idea. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, like, oh, of course. Like, if he got hot again, like if Buzz Williams became the hot coaching candidate again, and and Texas were to open for some reason, or you know, Oklahoma State were to open, something in that part of the country were to open, and he was a candidate, like you know, he again, he's not dumb. Like, if you can coach at Texas instead of Virginia Tech, you probably do that, right? If you can coach at Oklahoma State instead of Virginia Tech, you probably do that. So yeah, I wouldn't retire him at Virginia Tech just yet, but. Uh, um, okay, all right. How about this one? How about this one, guys? Who's at their school longer, Pearl at Auburn or Buzz at Virginia Tech? Uh, Pearl. I, uh, I would say Pearl. Interesting. That's uh, a good one. Though. That's yeah. That's tough though. I don't know. Like I, I, I think Pearl's gonna win uh, more quickly than than Buzz yes, does. I would agree with that. Just by the way, that's nuts. It's Auburn. But yeah, I think I agree. Dude, Bruce, like it's an know, easier conference. It's an easier conference to manage, and I mean, you're not you're not messing around with Kentucky or Florida, but who? who it's easier to recruit to Auburn, I think. Who are you scared? Like that's the thing about the SEC right now. Who are you scared of? Kentucky, Auburn, and who? Is I mean, it, no, no, Kentucky, Kentucky Florida. Florida oh yeah, not nobody. I mean, nobody. The, I mean, the answer is nobody. Like who? Like okay, now let's talk about the ACC. Who are you scared of? Louisville, Carolina, Duke. You know, Syracuse. Syracuse. Pitt, Pitt's always good. Pitt, Virginia's the way Virginia's playing. Virginia, like uh, that's a that's a that's a bitch, you know, trying to get through that. But the SEC, like, who? Why can't you be third in two years at Auburn? Like, why can't you? I uh, know it's crazy. Yeah. That's gonna be a lot. That is gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, that was a freaking mob scene. It's been a while since it happened, but also since we had the podcast. When he gets off the airplane and just. I mean, no, was, no, it was the it was the most Bruce Pearl moment. It couldn't yeah, have gone no. any other way. No, he's, be, he, he's being Bruce Pearl. Okay, second headline I wanted to touch on. So now Marquette is open. Um, uh, and I'll be honest with you, talking to coaches over the past week, um, even before Buzz took Virginia Tech, there were a lot of guys wondering, like, you know, okay, I don't know if I want to get involved here, get involved there, because what if what if Marquette opens? Like a lot of people in basketball knew Marquette was probably opening, and. Um, you know, so so Ben Hallen had uh, let's just say if, if Wake's on the table, let's just this we'll call this hypothetical. All right, mm-hmm. so Wake's on the table and they might be interested in you. Do you jump on it or do you wait to see if Buzz leaves Marquette because Marquette is the better job for Ben Hallen? Um, I, I think Ben um, was smart enough to recognize that Marquette might open, and now it, it did, and now he's involved there. I don't know if he's the number one guy. Uh, I think, you know, given the nature of this NCAA tournament, like Archie Miller might be the number one guy now, right? Um, but but Ben's had conversations with them. Um, if you were Marquette Borzello, would you hire Ben Hallen or would you wait to see if you could make a run at Archie Miller or somebody else? Uh, I would hire Ben Hallen. I mean, I, I think that he he kind of got a raw deal at UCLA after making three Final Fours. He got pushed out after making the NCAA tournament. So I think he's going to have first success. first coach ever. I love this. I love this fact. GP loves but, him some Ben. First coach ever to win a Power Conference regular season title and immediately get fired without an off the court scandal. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think he's going to have success there. Uh, you know, I think his style uh, fits Marquette's personnel better. I think it would be a a, a better transition um, from Buzz to Ben Howell. And I think, you know, I think he could win with what he has there. I think he'll compete for the NCAA tournament next year. I think he'll start making NCAA tournaments if he gets a job. To me, I think he would be more of a sure thing than Archie Miller. You know, I love Archie Miller. I just think that Ben Howell would be a better fit for Marquette. I would hire Ben. I, I think Archie's a star. I think, I think wherever you hire Archie, yes. he's going to be, he's going to win. I think Archie is Sean. You know, like they're not, uh, yeah. they're not the same personalities, but like whoever it is that hires Archie Miller. That's why, like, listen, if I were Marquette, I would hire Ben. But if Marquette hires Archie instead, like, I'm not going to say, what are you doing? Like, I think you're hiring a star. I, I, think. I, I wouldn't be opposed to Archie. And actually fits better for college basketball if, if Marquette hires Archie and Wake hires Ben because Archie's not going to coach at Wake when he went to NC State, in my opinion. I, I, I would think he would have a hard time coaching – uh, in that area where he played college basketball, do you guys disagree? Yeah. I don't think I don't think he yeah. would take Wake. I don't know if it has to do with Teddy yeah. Pettis. I, I just don't think okay. he would take Wake. Two, okay. two, dude, Bill Self went to Oklahoma fair, State. Totally fair. And, I know, and I know, coaches I know. at Kansas. I know. You do what uh, you do. What you got to do. If it would matter to him or not, I'm just I'm just saying. I just wonder if that would that would play a factor. Uh, uh, Two million dollars to make you overlook a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know. Yeah, 
Um, the third headline before we get out of here, Noah Vonley. Um, I talked to him late last night. He is entering the 2014 NBA draft. I don't guess it should be a surprise, the projected top 10 pick, but I still got some backlash on Twitter. Like, oh, this kid was never a real Hoosier. And, um, uh, oh, what a making a mistake. Like, in a, you know, given that we're just a few months removed from watching Mitch McGarry you know, miss the season and Marcus Smart get suspended, I just find it very difficult to blame any top 10 pick for entering the NBA draft and getting guaranteed millions. I, um, I, I'm not the guy who tells everybody they're stupid if they don't enter the draft. Like, I used to be that guy. Now I don't. I understand. Like, listen, if you want to stay in school, that's what, that's what, you're, you, the, that's what you want. That's your desire. I have no issue with it, just as long as you're educated on what's at risk here. Um, so, like, do whatever you want. Like, even Marcus Smart, in hindsight. Like, if that's what he wanted to do, I'm fine with it. He understood what the risks were. He understood what he was leaving on the table, and he still wanted to make that educated decision. Fine with me. It's your life. Um, but but So, I don't, I don't blame Marcus Smart if he wanted to stay an extra year. Good for him. Another, another star not making the second weekend. But yeah, Right, right. But here's what I would say. I will never blame somebody for going and being a top 10 pick in the draft. And if it were my son, that's exactly what we'd be doing. And so um, I, have we, I, I guess most people find it hard to blame a top 10 pick for turning pro regardless. Um, given that what we just watched with McGarry and Marcus Smart go down, like how could any reasonable person blame uh, Noah Vonley for, for saying, I'm going to go ahead and declare for the 2014 NBA draft? I mean, like last night when I talked to him, he said, listen, um, it sucks having never played in an NCAA tournament. But I got to do what's best for me. Like, I have to do what's best for me. And what's best for me is to do this. And, and I, I don't have a counterargument for that. Where's Ella? Like, do you like think he's, Von he's, like... not, he's not a borderline, like, first-round pick. Like, he's, he's going to be a top-ten pick. And, like, I, I, I'm, with, I'm, with, I'm with Paris. Like, if you're going to be a guaranteed top-ten pick or a guaranteed lottery pick, go. And, you know, and he, he did this with Indiana struggling. And I don't know if Indiana's going to be better next year. And why not, you know, just strike now? I agree with... Vonley, if he wants to go, go. I don't have an issue with that at all. Um, he seems like I'm interested to see what he is as a pro. He seems like he might be one of those drive-by college stars that never really gains like traction in the pros. I could be wrong. He could be turn out to be pretty good. Like who? Like, like who? Chris Bosh? No, I mean, listen. You point out the ones that happen. There's other ones that <laughs> of don't. Of course, there's so. all, there are there are always. It'll go both ways. Yeah, right? So I just I'm yeah. I'm intrigued by Noah Vonley as an NBA prospect, and I think that he should go um, yeah. because there's no guarantee that Indiana's making the tournament next year. So I yeah. don't have an issue with that at all. And by the way, good scoop, GP. Late on a Sunday night, working it. Yeah. Nicely done. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It all made it all made for a a ridiculous uh, but but awesome uh, Sunday. All right. Well, listen, we've been here. Jesus. Like an hour? Yeah, 66. Hour, 10 minutes? 66 minutes. And I still have to drive uh, from St. Louis to to home today. So uh, that's my way of saying we got to go. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe um, on iTunes. It's free. It's the simplest way to make sure you get the latest episode. Uh, So go do that over at iTunes. And either way, um, we will talk again real soon. Take care.